This episode is brought to you by The Romero Group, a full-service property management and investment company based in the Roaring Fork Valley since 2015. Their extensive team of 100 professionals supports their core focus of association and special district management. In addition to property management, they have a vibrant real estate division and recently acquired the Lakota Canyon Development and Golf Course in Newcastle. I can attest they are locally based experts and dedicated members of the community and proud sponsors of Selling the Mountains. Learn more about their services by visiting www.romero-group.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Christian Knapp. This is Selling the Mountains, a show about the booming mountain town real estate economy and unique personalities fueling it. Each episode is an insider's perspective on market trends, lifestyle, success stories, and the ups and downs of homeownership in the mountains. Christian Knapp is the former chief marketing officer of Aspen Skiing Company and a lifelong mountain town enthusiast. He is an accomplished marketing and sales leader who has worked for the top resorts in North America, including Aspen, Vail, Breckenridge, and Keystone. Currently, Christian is an independent consultant and principal at Moment of Truth, a boutique marketing firm specializing in brand development, strategic planning, and digital execution. All opinions expressed by Christian and podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the companies or clients they represent. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for real estate investment decisions. My guest today is Sarah Broughton, principal at Roland and Broughton, an architecture and interior design firm in Aspen and Denver. Sarah brings over two decades of experience in architecture and interior design industry. She is the firm's champion of design philosophy, leader of the staff, and a highly respected colleague in the design community and among her clients. Sarah is extremely active in the Aspen community and has served as chair of the Historic Preservation Commission. Roland and Broughton is annually recognized for achievement in Interior Design Magazine's Top Hospitality Design and Interior Design Giants list. Sarah has had the honor to serve as the American Institute of Architects West Director and was recently awarded the Defy Ordinary Award from the City of Aspen Chamber, recognizing her as a champion of the community and a leader to her colleagues. In our conversation, we discuss the importance of approaching every project without a predetermined style and really understanding and getting to know your clients. We also talked about respecting the past while looking towards the future with the latest design trends, incorporating sustainability, wellness, and multi-generational cohabitation. Lastly, we talked about the lessons learned from the last project should always be applied towards the next one, and that your favorite project can be the one you're working on now. I hope you enjoy this great conversation with Sarah. So quick thumbnail sketch of my career. Um, I went to school for architecture and have been working in the profession since I graduated in 1996, uh, starting with an internship in Sydney, Australia after graduation, and then um, my first job in New York City, and then have been practicing in Aspen and in Denver since 2000. What brought you to Sydney is a long way from Aspen. And where where did you grow up and how did you end up in Sydney? And then how did you end up in Aspen? 
So I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I went to CU Boulder, um, where, I, where I graduated um, from the School of Environmental Design and Architecture. And um, in my senior year, I applied for an internship with a company called EDA, which is now AECOM. It's a large um, international landscape architecture firm. And I was lucky enough to win that inter- internship and get placed in their Sydney, Australia office. That's pretty cool. And how long were you in Sydney? Just four months. Um, and we worked on the the Olympic Village for the uh, Olympic 2000 that was in Sydney. So you come back and you landed back in Colorado eventually. What brought you up to Aspen? So John Roland and I, who is my husband and business partner, we met in college and we moved to New York together and worked at different firms. And after being in New York, practicing for three and a half years, decided that we wanted to come back to Colorado and did research on mountain communities. And through that research, it positioned us and pointed us to Aspen, Colorado, really for obviously the natural beauty, but also for the culture um, that we all love here. And what year did you land in Aspen? 2000. 2000. So you've been here 20 years now and you've built an incredibly successful practice, you and John. Tell us a little bit about Roland and Broughton today. We started our firm in 2003, and today um, we are a firm of 35 um, professionals. We have both architects and interior designs in our firm. We have studios in both Aspen and Denver, uh, and we really started both those studios from the beginning. And it was important for us to not only have our studio in Aspen, but also in Denver where we could draw on talent and we could be close to design centers and in kind of a bigger pulse of what's happening in Colorado. How would you define your niche in Aspen? So there's there's a lot of interior designers, a lot of the homeowners that come in to Aspen to, to build or remodel their home, bring in architects and designers from their home cities and such. Um, but a lot choose an architect here. How do you find those clients and how do you, what, what's your niche in this market? Sure. I think what's what's really important to us is is we go into every project without a predetermined style. And and so our process is really important. And it starts with really getting to understand and know our clients, asking a lot of questions, going through what we call programming. And then what emerges from this process early on in the project is then the course, you know, that that then the design takes from there that then goes into the style that is a direct result of the client and their personal needs and wants. So you do you primarily work in residential or commercial? Half of our work is residential and half of our uh, work is commercial. Uh, and we love that mix because they both really inform each other. A lot of our residential projects are, are complex um, and they are getting even more complicated with, with more stringent codes and, and building science. So a lot of um, the principles that we learn on commercial work goes into those resident, residential projects. And then similarly, a lot of what we get to do on residential side, there's a, there's an amazing amount of research and development that, that goes on with residential, um, the ability to experiment and try different details. And so that's really fun for us and then, then can uh, translate to our commercial work. Do you have a preference on which type of project do you like to work on? I don't. You know, my, my favorite type of project is working with, you know, collaborative, interactive clients that that share our same love of design process and curiosity about life. So, you know, along the way, have you had any mentors that have really made a difference for you? Absolutely. You know, mentorship, mentorship is so important and continues to today. 
you know, starting, quite frankly, to having great parents that that, that are just, you know, have a thirst for life and a, and a thirst for knowledge, great professors, and then uh, working for amazing bosses. I've always worked for very strong women um, bosses. And so I think that that's something I didn't actively seek that out. But in looking back through my career, it's something that is a common thread. Certainly, that was amazing mentorship for me as I lead a firm today. And then it's really cool. We, we made a an adjustment multiple years ago where we made the decision where we want clients that mentor us as much as we mentor them. And it's been a really, really amazing experience to work alongside just the caliber of clients that we're so lucky to work with here in Aspen and really foster deep long-lasting relationships uh, where we we're both learning together and and really you know, we're, we're, we're all elevating at the same time. And it's been um, an amazing gift for me. And I, and I really look at, at, at many of our clients as mentors and friends. Becoming a mentor yourself, would you advise somebody coming out of college studying architecture to get into this field? Absolutely. What I love most about architecture and design is it's all-encompassing. It, it takes on everything. And it, there's a saying about architects that, that, that you're kind of a jack of all traits and, you, and you're, you're not an expert at one thing, but you, you have to know a lot about a lot of things. And so that is something that I, that I really love. It, it, it is informed by so many different things. Um, and so if you have, I think, a, a, an amazing curiosity about life um, and, and, a, and a desire to continue to grow and, and, and continue to learn new things, um, it's an amazing profession. I mean, there, there's a reason why kind of if you look at the great architects, you know, they're really great when they're, <laughs> I hate to say it, when they're in their 60s and their 70s. It, this is a profession that you keep building on and, and you keep getting better. Do you have any great architects um, that you really look up to as a source for inspiration in your work? Absolutely. It really depends on what projects we have going on um, at the time. So I speak with colleagues a lot. I get a lot of inspiration in just speaking with other principals of firms and other designers and, and just kind of have a, a real vulnerability to, to myself and, and how I, I seek out you know, others, you know, right now we're working on an amazing project and we're super inspired by Aero Saarinen and his work, you know, um, with even looking back at, um, at JFK um, and, and that airport and, and just, you know, we're kind of really looking to him for inspiration. So again, it really depends on what projects we have going on, um, but we really look to people who've done it before, um, you know, not to copy, but um, to really be inspired. And, and there's just been amazing architects over the years. You know, the mountain real estate economy has been absolutely on fire, right? The, the pandemic mm -hmm. had sort of a, a massive impact on people choosing to purchase homes in the mountains, leave the cities, um, choose to reside here more. How has that boom positively affected the architecture and interior design industry here locally. Sure. It you know it certainly has had an impact and um, and it's been really interesting to see. I don't think any of us could have anticipated that a year ago to see what happened um, kind of late summer. 
this past year. I think we have, you know, again, um, Aspen is a place that draws really interesting people. I've always said that Aspen is a is the wild, wild west, and it still attracts that outlier. Um, and I, I believe that to be true today, even after living here for for twenty plus years. There's a there's a type of person that that seeks out a place like Aspen and is kind of is a little bit against the grain in terms of a more traditional lifestyle. So for us, it's been really interesting to see the people that are choosing to move here, choosing to to move their families here, maybe have a, a change in lifestyle. And then it's also, you know, not only can we learn from them because it's, it's neat to have new people come um, and get them involved in our community, but also, you know, we can be in a role to be experts to them and really help guide them. And, and, and just like people did for us when we moved here, you know, how, how do we, how are we hospitable to newcomers in our community and make sure that they are really getting their right footing. What about your office in Denver? So we, we this show, we focus certainly on the mountains first, but I'm curious, you know, because the cities, it's been a lot slower, right, in terms of real estate transactions and the business of, of real estate and, and remodels and all that. How, has it been very different for your Denver for office? You know, residentially in Denver, no, because I think, you know, people are moving to Colorado in general. And so you know, on the residential side, there's been a ton of activity in Denver. We're definitely seeing some more hospitality work coming through the door right now, um, a lot more inquiries. So I think that that shows that the the hospitality and travel industry is is starting to feel a little bit more bullish right now um, with the vaccine and, and the future. And so they're getting geared up and getting ready to, to have their properties and stores and restaurants uh, ready to go. And you say hospitality industry. I know you had the honor of designing the Denver Matsuhisa. Yep. Um, I know you've designed some hotels as well. Um, do you have anything like that in the pipeline right now? Yes, we do. Um, you know, we we completed the W Hotel, as you know, a year and a half ago, um, and that was you know really amazing project. Um, challenging and amazing to, to do uh, that project that was done in four years, so quite quickly. Um, we are uh, currently under construction on a new um, hotel up in Jackson Hole that started a year ago. Um, so that is happening. We're working on a private hos- um, hospitality club and a couple restaurants. The project in Jackson Hole, is that downtown or is that in Teton Bill? It is. It's the Rusty Parrot Lodge, uh, which is a, you know, a 30-year uh, hotel um, in Jackson that unfortunately burned down two falls ago. And so that w- that's why it's been on such a fast pace to rebuild for an amazing family. And it, it's just been really great to, to be part of that project. How would you describe the interior design aesthetic of that property? So we're definitely, you know, inspired by the context of being in Jackson, which is, you know, it's Alpine, obviously, but it's it's quite different than than Aspen. And so we've spent a lot of time researching and understanding uh, that climate and and that culture um, up there. So the lodge is definitely taking on more of a um, traditional. Western feel, uh, but definitely with modern amenities um, and and modern luxuries. Do you guys do a lot of work in other mountain communities, or do you are you mostly working in Aspen? Probably eighty percent of our work is in Colorado. However, we are working in six different places right now, and, and they're different types of 
projects. So that's really rewarding for us to have clients. Over 60% of our work is for repeat clients. And so it's really great when clients come back to us and, and maybe they have a project in, in another place. We're doing a house in the Bahamas, for instance, right now, and that's for a repeat client. And that's really, really awesome for us to, to be able to, to work in different climates and, and work in different cultures. That must be a challenge, though, to, to translate your vernacular to a beach setting when you're so used to being in a mountain environment. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. If you if you go into a project without a predetermined style and you go through a design process, it, it's amazing how flexible you can be and you can really adapt to different places. So I know you're big on respecting Aspen's historical past, um, but also, as you described, you know, really hearing from your clients and, and understanding how to move things forward. How do you effectively balance the historic past and the kind of the contemporary mountain style that people want these days? Mm-hmm. You know, we again, we, we, we start with the process. We do a lot of research and really understand the context and the history. And then this informs us with our design process. And so we feel that through that through that process and through that investigation, it really roots us and grounds us in the history of a place. And so that we can then come forward with a design solution that in, in some cases, um, you know, is, is more uh, respectful of that or, or is very purposeful and, and maybe going a, in an opposite direction. But, but it's, it's, it's always through that research um, that, that informs these decisions. So there's a phenomenon that I know you're familiar with and I'm familiar with. And, you know, whenever I'm biking around Aspen in the in the historic West End, you see these really cool, totally remodeled Victorians up front and then these incredibly complex modern backs of the homes, if you will. And uh, we've affectionately termed them mullet houses. (laughs) (laughs) Have you designed any of those? You know, we have um, done quite a bit of historic preservation, and it's an important part of our work. So we have worked on projects where we have preserved, in the case of a residential project, a, a historic house in the front, and then in the back, we've done an addition. And you know, again, we don't we don't always the the right approach is not always a modern approach to that addition. So we really look at what the context is surrounding that historic house, uh, the block, the the surrounding neighborhood, and then and also their program and, and how people want to live and, and then move forward um, with what we think is the right solution. We're, we're currently working on one right now on 4th Street. And in, in, in this case, it, it makes more sense for the addition to be very complementary of the house in front and not so distinctly different. I know you have, uh, you and John designed a beautiful home in the West End yourselves. How was that process um, building that house? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it was fun. Um, we, you know, we feel lucky that we bought our first piece of real estate in Aspen in 2002. And so since then, we have um, lived and oftentimes worked. That was our first studio, was our first condo uh, in Aspen. But we have, you know, ourselves done multiple projects. So it's really fun to be our own client, to experiment and try things. On um, this latest project, um, we were fortunate enough to purchase an empty lot across from the music tent on Gillespie um, in 2013. 
and uh, we built a house there and, and we love it. And, and then since then, we purchased the Mesa store building on Main Street. And so a lot of people know it as the old O2 uh, yoga studio, but it was always the Mesa store building built in the 1880s. And so we we have preserved that. And so it's we feel so fortunate to live and work within four blocks of each other. Yeah, your new studio is is a beautiful building. By the way, I, you know I drive by it all the time, and it's just it's really s- stuck to the historic, traditional route, and it, it looks fantastic. Thank you. We love it. So, talking a little bit. So, you've done a lot of projects, obviously in the in the central core as well as certainly outside. Um, you know, permitting is incredibly challenging here. I, I did a remodel of my home uh, last year and went through that process. So I, I know very well how hard and arduous that process can be. And I can only imagine doing dealing with that on a day in day out basis. How do you navigate that, you know, and just kind of give us an insight on, you know, the challenges that you face as a, as a builder, developer, architect? It certainly has gotten a lot more challenging in, in the 20 years since since we've been here as a, as a side note i was looking at a a set of drawings for a building permit from 7 years ago and i think it was 8 p- pages and now now we submit it's like 60 pages because of all the requirements so you know we tell this to ourselves and we tell it to clients there's a lot of patience that you know we need to exercise through the process you know it's a desirable place to live which means that more and more people are are trying to get here. It's more accessible, and so you know, unfortunately, a lot of times what happens with that is is things get more rigorous in terms of policies and codes. Um, so we just really try to remain experts at it. There's always curveballs, um, so just try to be very communicative about things that we're learning from you know from the city or the county, and and involving clients in the process so that they try to understand all the steps that we have to go through. Um, and, and there's quite a few steps. Some of those hoops are certainly, I think, you know, they're, they're good, right? So there's a lot of good that comes from those, those requirements, right? Housing mitigation, which keeps uh, the upper Valley affordable for a certain, uh, you know, cohort. And then of course, you know, some of the sustainability initiatives that the, the city and the County have put on these projects. Is that something that you're navigating, uh, and focused on more in your builds now? Absolutely. I, I think it, you know, we have, we have a lot of things that we need to be addressing and, and, and time is of the essence. So we as a firm and as a studio are very committed to making sure that we are, we are designing as sustainably as possible. Um, we do feel fortunate that, that the city of Aspen has adopted, you know, and has been on the forefront of adopting very good codes um, in terms of um, sustainability. However, um, we really try to stay on the pulse with what's happening within our profession, not only on a state level, but but nationally and internationally, so that we can be bringing these technologies and this thought leadership to our clients. What's an example of like a net zero or carbon zero house that or a project residential project that you've undertaken recently? Yeah, so you know we're really excited um, about mass timber and and really using renewable wood resources um, to to be l- looking at our structure. You know, I think a, a fallback and an easy fallback is steel. Steel is very energy intensive. And we certainly, you know, have over the years used a lot of steel. But you know, what what started in Europe multiple years ago is more of a mass timber approach to building. It's faster, um, and as I said, it's renewable in terms of 
uh, tree regeneration. Um, so that's something that's super exciting in how we look at look at our structures. And what about like, do you, are you incorporating a lot of passive solar and solar into your designs? And, you know, obviously there's this tension with these, you know, these amazing, beautiful homes that people are building in, in the, these mountain environments, you know, but they tend to be energy intensive with, you know, outdoor pools and heated walkways and pathways and driveways. And, you know, how do you balance that with a sustainable approach? Yeah, it, 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 the balance is the right word, and you know it is. It's it, it is uh, an interesting thing because in a lot of our locations, you know the views to the south, right? And but that what goes along with that is some massive solar gain. So we have to really look at that and really model. We we do a lot of visualization and and look at modeling to anticipate areas where maybe, you know, gosh, it'd be nice to have glass there, but do we need to have glass there? What are we, what are we getting from that? And so it's, it's just using all the technology and, and all the kind of design principles that are out there. And, and the best thing is, sol- is passive solar. Um, and so, you know, really understanding brisoles, um, really understanding tree plantings, just the amount of glazing, um, orientation, you know, those things really make a difference. And then using active, um, solar, um, photovoltaic obviously is a very big one. Ground source heat pumps. You know, if you have a pond on your property, that that's an instant win for for um, for ground source heat pump. So there's there's a lot of things that we can that we can do and, and are constantly learning and um, and bringing technology and ideas of this to our projects. Do you propose this to the clients, or is this something the clients are asking for? It's both. It's both. Again, I think we're very fortunate to have you know an amazing um, clientele in in Aspen, um, where you know they're they're very informed, and a lot of them want to be on the forefront and are not scared to experiment. Certainly, that's something that's part of our initial um, conversation. And if it's not something that they're bringing forward, or maybe they don't know the questions to ask, we are bringing that to their attention. Is there an amenity? Um, that you're hearing about from clients or, you know, that's in demand right now that might surprise listeners? <laughs> um, you know, certainly a huge push. We're doing a ton of multi-generational projects, right? I think, you know, COVID has highlighted that where people just really want to, you know, create environments and create places where their their extended families can gather and be together. So, you know, really thinking about that and, and how we um, design homes that allow for gathering, but also some privacy. And then that whole, the whole wellness component is really important. And it's something that we are incorporating in most of our projects. Um, simple things like saunas. I mean, we, most projects right now we have saunas going in. It's really fascinating how that's something that people are asking for. Um, you know, even Ufuro tubs, like soaking tubs, um, and then even to larger kind of bigger spa type facilities uh, within homes uh, where people can really, you know, meditation rooms, um, hot yoga rooms, you know, you, you name it. Just I think the whole wellness component is, is critical and, and it's something that we're being asked to do a lot. This episode is sponsored by SH Building Group. The experienced team of professionals at SH Built consists of client, site, accounting, subcontractor, design, and craft building specialists. They integrate the latest construction management technology and offer home guardianship services and advanced inspections. Tom Sherlock and his team helped remodel my home, and their attention to detail was unsurpassed. Start planning a project today. 
visit shbuilt.com or call 970-923-1122 and tell them you heard about them on Selling the Mountains. So when somebody's looking to buy a home in Aspen or remodel a home or build a new home uh, if the land is available, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find you guys? <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, typically um, the potential client is the one reaching out to us. So our relationships are super important. We are very relational. And so we try to be a resource to, you know, brokers, to builders, uh, to other uh, developers, and so that way, hopefully, if they're if they're speaking with potential clients, they're saying, "Hey, you really need to call Roland Broughton. You know, they're the ones to talk to." So we get a lot of the majority of our work through uh, word of mouth, and we feel very um, honored about that. And then we back that up with you know certain brand awareness things because I think that that's really important. And you know, through a website, e newsletters, social media publications, uh, we keep really close um, relationships with editors um, and, and want to be a resource to them. So you mentioned you know working with brokers is important, developers, builders. Do you have particular ones that you end up working the most with or is it, you know, how are those relationships forged? Yeah, you know, we work with 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 actually quite a few and it you know, really depends on the project. And so um, we feel really lucky to to have a lot of relationships with a lot of different builders and a lot of different brokers um, in the valley. That's cool. Do you do you ever collab co-op um, with a developer on a project, you know, where you guys take on some some risk on the project yourselves, or is it a service that you're being asked to to execute on behalf of the client or the developer? We usually are just providing the service, and, and that's that's a relationship we would prefer to be in. I mean, so that is that's certainly we've been asked over the years, and we've entertained it. But on on the whole, um, we stick in 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 our lane in terms of being the service provider. You mentioned earlier in our conversation about continuous learning and just, you know, and constantly evolving and, and how the architecture field it changes so much. And, and some people are doing their best work later in life. How do you approach continuous learning and crafting your trade? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, you know, obviously, um, you know, when, when we don't have a global pandemic going on, um, huge traveler, really am a student of the world. And I really feel that that's how you learn a lot. I and, mean, you know, not only from going to places, but talking to different people and just seeing and that that's, that's a huge source of inspiration and, um, reading, um, I love to read, read all the time. Um, so that's another a way to stay on the pulse. Um, and quite honestly, just asking a lot of questions and just being really curious. And, you know, when you are in those situations, just, um, you know, when you, when you're having a conversation, it's amazing. You know, I pretty much learn from every conversation that I'm in and, and, and just that, that just awesome curiosity. I know you're also passionate about advocating for design in, in Colorado in particular and, and beyond, uh, in some of your projects ar- around the country. You know, how do you approach that, especially during COVID? It's a bit challenging, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I I, um, I have been the Colorado AIA West director. I'm in my second year, and it's been really amazing um, to be part of a conversation at a statewide level with other colleagues um, that are running firms and that are really trying to advance the profession. And then also that then goes into a national forum. 
So that has been um, really instrumental for me as of late in terms of advocating design and really understanding um, what 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 the pressures are out there or what the opportunities are. And then being a resource, we are true believers that, you know, all the boats in the bay rise together. So, you know, we don't really feel a huge competitiveness to colleagues. Um, we try to be a resource and try to be very collegiate in our in our relationships. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we all can continue to excel and 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 push and, and keep innovating. So the current trend, you know, you're, we're seeing it a lot, right? There's there's limited developable land now in some of these mountain communities. You know, we're pretty built out here in Aspen, you know, so it is becoming a shift to where people are buying, you know, older properties, maybe they're scraping them, maybe they're choosing to do full remodels. Is that is that good, do you think, for the for keeping the market healthy? Totally. We've always been lovers of remodels and we've always done a lot of them. And so it's something that we're very passionate about. It's really great to take something. There's so much embodied energy. In, in an existing structure. So if you can come in, and we always try to look at that first, if we can come in and remodel it and, and make it into something that, that is relevant today and can last the next another 100 years, that's always our first approach. And so it is very healthy, I think, to, to have that remodel culture. It's not always appropriate, but in a lot of times it is it is appropriate. So um, it's exciting to be able to, to take structures and, and breathe new life into them. Do you have a favorite property that you've had the opportunity to help build or develop? You know, um, I feel so fortunate. I think we've worked on, you know, I don't even know the current number, hundreds of projects in the last 18 years. And um, I would say my favorite is the next one. I think the one thing I, I, I love the most about being an architect and designer is you're constantly growing and you're building on the last project. So it's really fun to take the lessons learned and 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 the experiences from the, the from you know the project you just completed and and take it into the next one. So my favorite is 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 the one we're working on now. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love it. You know, you know, so clients come to you they. They hear about Roland and Broughton and they want, you know, they decide they want to go with you. What, what's that process look like? And how do you how do you set expectations with budgets? Um, you know, as we were talking about before, you know, the permitting process is very arduous. It's very expensive. Building uh, in a place like Aspen or any any um, premium mountain town is very expensive undertaking. How do you set realistic expectations for your clients? Yeah, I think, you know, communication is key. Um, so, you know, having upfront dialogue uh, about expectations is is um, usually you know how you can be successful and then we have some you know good tools that we use um, you know this, it sounds you know kind of just simple and easy but just even a total project cost spreadsheet is something that we developed years ago and it's a tool that we use early on with clients and and so they can understand it's not just the building costs right it's all the soft costs it's the ff and e costs it's the permitting costs it's the impact fees you know so you could come with a budget of x but let's see all those things together and let's see where we end up at, at the bottom and do we need to make some adjustments. So you've worked, you've done work in quite a few other mountain towns. Would you say the process is different or easier or harder in towns besides Aspen? Aspen is difficult for sure, but I would say most desirable places are um, very difficult. Um, you know, been, been in front of historic preservation commissions in different towns throughout the U.S. and, you know, having just gone through, you know, getting a, a large lodge approved in Jackson this summer, you know, that was a similar 
process, you have to gain pu uh, public consensus. You know, no, no longer are projects just about the developer and, and the owner of the land. It's they, these are like the, every project is public these days, and so you know, g gaining that um, public approval is so important. That way, you you go into review meetings with planning commissions or town councils with some positivity from the community. And it's amazing what that can do. So I think what's been really helpful for for us and how we practice is is we're here, you know, working in, in one of the more difficult places to get things done. And so we can translate that and, and kind of bring that rigor to other communities and, and it helps us get through the process a lot faster. Wow, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, is is there a where is there a mountain community that you worked in that you were surprised by how your project was received? Um, you know, you know, knock on wood, where you, you usually you know fairly well received, or if we're not going to be received, we try to do the homework before and understand where the sticking points are going to be, right, and 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 address them um, because ultimately we're all trying to get something done. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the most recent, again, was was up in Jackson and, and um, you know, but taking a project like the Rusty Parrot Lodge, which has a huge following, is deeply loved, was voted, you know, number one hotel for years in, you know, in the U.S. Um, so it was definitely something that the town was interested in getting past and they wanted to keep it moving. So it was nice to have that kind of momentum going into it. And I think the W was similar. I think people loved the Sky Hotel. They loved the location. They they understand they understood where there were some things that needed to get improved upon, um, and so you know it was great to take that that community spirit into that project. And then you know with a project like that, we just had we had an amazing development team. Um, you know, getting projects like of that scale approved in communities, it, it's a multi prong approach, and and you need you know people kind of working different angles to get things approved. No, oh, that's great. And the, the W came out beautiful, by the way. And I love how you sort of kind of took some inspiration from chalet design in Europe and incorporated that. And I, you know, I think at first when I, when I saw it personally, and I know when people saw it, it wasn't sort of that super modern Aspen aesthetic that we've all come to know more recently. So, and I think I really applaud you for kind of looking to, you know, some different inspiration for designing that project. And I think it will stand the test of time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, it was awesome to work on. I think another, you know, really interesting project in, in, in our careers was the Hotel Jerome, you know, and we, and we have been lucky to work on it a couple of times starting in 2013, where we did an entire interior remodel and that, you know, got the live, got the whole living room, um, as you know it today. But, you know, when we did the, um, preserved the Aspen Times building and did the addition behind. And, you know, we raised that courtyard by five feet, got it accessible um, for handicap, um, got a curb cut on on a state highway on Main Street. So that way, you know, cars could, could pull over in front of the Bellman. So projects like that are just, they're, they're incredibly complicated and there's a lot of moving parts. And so it's, it's really rewarding to be able to be working, you know, on those types of challenges, um, and, and then actually get them built. Well, you did a fantastic job with the Jerome too. Um, amazing property and just such a nod to the historic past of Aspen. And, and you really did a nice job of blending those two, you know, I, you live here in Aspen, you know, you spend a lot of time in other mountain towns, you've traveled extensively. 
if you had to live in a different mountain town, is there one? Oh, that's hard. Okay. I did fall in love. I've been falling in love with Jackson. It's a really, the landscape is really unbelievable. So, um, love Jackson. Um, and, uh, it's that lay the, yeah, just being near those parks is pretty great. And, uh, I've always had a thing for Telluride. I think Telluride is, is just the natural beauty of that town is amazing. It's a little too isolated for me. And that box Canyon, I think makes people a little crazy, but, um, but <laughs> from a, from an aesthetic standpoint and a history standpoint, it's amazing, but I love Aspen. Um, I, I am very happy here. Um, we say it keeps getting better after 21 years, just, just, there's not a day that doesn't go by where, where I'm not grateful to be living in Aspen, Colorado. Nice. Now, do you have a favorite recreational pursuit? Are you a skier or a snowboarder? Yep, I'm a skier, um, and it's something I really enjoy doing. Um, kind of all forms of skiing. I like to, I like to downhill ski. I was a telemark skier for 20 years. I gave that up two years ago and started alpine skiing again. And love cross country skiing and, and skinning. Do you have a favorite place to entertain a client? Uh, you know, dinner, dinner's my jam. I love sitting down and breaking bread after the end of a long day. And, and so love, love that. We're so, I love the multitude of restaurants. Can't wait to start going to them, um, more regularly in town. So, um, definitely love, love taking clients out to dinner. Any shout outs for a particular restaurant? One of our favorites is Cash Cash. Um, you know, love Jody. Have, have been a patron of hers for years. Um, so you know, love love taking people to Cash Cash. It's it's just very warm and inviting. Nice. And I know you've traveled extensively outside the valley, and not just to mountain towns. Um, where do you and John like to go in your free time? So we love Milan, and we go at least once a year. Um, and, and we typically go for the furniture fair in April. Um, it's just, it's a design mecca for not only furniture and design, um, but fashion. So I, I'd say I'm missing Milan the most right now. What about a nonprofit that we have a lot here in Aspen? Is there a charitable cause that you get behind? Yeah. You know, um, again, uh, philanthropy is really important to me and John. We think it's, it's incredibly important to give back to the community. So, you know, we really focus our uh, charitable work on um, arts and environment. All right. Final question. You know, listeners, um, you know, our brokers, fans of mountain real estate uh, and, you know, and for those that are thinking about uh, maybe buying a home or remodeling a home in the mountains, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, my, you know, my advice is to make a good plan and, and then work that plan. Um, we are at the end of a valley and I think it's hard for people to understand that, you know, when it comes to supply chain. So the more upfront, you know, decisions you can make, um, like I said, that plan and just and just get kind of really get prepared, the better, because then you can order things in advance. You can have it here. You can have it um, ready when you need it. Um, can't underestimate that enough. And I think we've really been seeing that, especially during COVID, where supply chains have gotten even more stretched. So that's that's my biggest advice. What about those aspiring to get into architecture and design? Go for it. It's amazing. I like I said, it's uh, I just feel incredibly honored and, and humbled uh, to be in this profession. And I know a lot of people, you know, even make career decisions and change. And I think it's never too late if this is something you're interested in. There's amazing online courses. There's great institutes um, that offer classes, and it's just. 
it's it's really fun and I'm, my door is always open if anyone ever has any questions um very passionate about it and 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 love helping people get into the profession what's the best way to get in, connected with you so you can go to our website uh, it's uh, www.rollandbroughton.com and um, our our email addresses are on there and our phone numbers thanks for listening to this episode of selling the mountains You'll never miss an episode if you subscribe or follow the show. If you liked what you heard, please leave a short review and share it with a friend. For more information about Selling the Mountains, including feedback, suggestions, or sponsorship opportunities, please visit sellingthemountains.com and sign up for our newsletter. You can follow the show on Instagram or Facebook at Selling the Mountains. You can follow the host on Twitter at Christian Knapp or on Instagram at Napstagram. This show was produced in collaboration with Dustin H. James at Podborder. Selling the Mountains is a production of Moment of Truth, LLC. All rights reserved.